When we invite an organization to join us here on Pitch Pro, the advice we give them is to assemble a team of their very best and their very brightest to face our superstar panel. Today's guests, Eagle Eye 3D, did exactly that, really taking this advice to heart and assembling a squad of key executives and key opinion leading surgeons to properly represent their new technology. Take a listen here and let's see how they get along and what sage advice they receive from our superstar panel on edition number two of Pitch Pro, brought to you once again by the Ortho Show podcast. Good evening. Hi, I'm Jeff Chandler, Eagle Eye 3D CEO, and I'd like to thank you all for your time and interest today. My background offers over three decades of orthopedic experience with strategics to venture-backed startups while in escalating roles to CEO. Now our team would like to walk you through a high-level portrait of our company. Eagle Eye 3D is an end-to-end total hip arthroplasty 3D CT pre-op planning, intra-op alignment, and post-op assessment solution combining two proprietary sophisticated technologies, a software app and 3D printed alignment guides. Importantly, it has an open platform, which applies to all three surgical approaches, anterior, lateral, and posterior, applies to virtually all implants and both primary and revision cases, all with an opportunity to optimize the anaversion, inclination, leg leg, and offset. The milestones that we have hit so far include 1.25 million invested to date, published results, six issued patents, three pending, and a working app, and as you can see from orthopedic proceedings, an article. There are three primary problems that are driving the market demand for improving THA accuracy. The first study shows that only 50% of the hips are correctly positioned or aligned after THA surgery. Secondly, Studies show that 80% of the lower volume orthopedic surgeons perform the lion's share of THA surgeries. And lastly, CMS revenue per case guidelines are shifting from a fee for service to a more volatile shared risk model, whereby surgeons and hospitals are not getting paid by Medicare for second surgeries within 90 day readmission criteria. Independent sources project the THA market will reach $9 billion by 2024, annual procedures to surpass 650,000 here in the US and thus over 1.3 million worldwide by 2025. And notably in 2020, CMS announced payment coverage for THA and outpatient facilities, thereby creating a significant new pathway for THA opportunities, having experts predict a major shift from inpatient to outpatient procedures to virtually even volume or 50-50 by 2025. The first half of the company's technology solution is a 3D CT software app that offers a novel preoperative planning module as well as a post-operative assessment module. Two key features include an implant contact to bone percentage calculation as well as a medial wall risk distance mapping. The 3D pre-op module allows the surgeon to quickly and precisely assess bony anatomy, plan for exact implant placement, and select the perfect implant sizes, ultimately providing the surgeon with a proactive surgical plan prior to the case to minimize intraop surprises and optimize outcomes. 
Also, it streamlines the surgical facilities inventory and sterilization requirements and vastly reduces setup and OR turnover times. And I'll provide a, a, a live demo here shortly. The second half of the company's solution highlights another novel and proprietary technology known as 3D CT PSI printed alignment guides. They precisely guide the surgeon's reaming steps to provide excellent and accurate implant alignment. The investment asked for our Series A or Phase 1 is a 1.6 million convertible note with a $25,000 minimum. Within 12 months, the company plans for a Series B or pre-commercialization exit. Before I hand it over to our founder, Dr. Mike Gilman, uh, I'd like to switch gears and go to the live uh, demo app. Okay, so here we have uh, the front page of our live demo app. As you can see over here on the left-hand side, these are the uploaded CT scans from the surgeon's office as we move from left to right. Uh, this is the area that we call the mini viewers that allows the surgeon to micro adjust the um, placement of the and position of the implants themselves. Uh, we have the uh, 3D model right here, which everyone can see, and we have some controls. And these controls uh, are, are twofold. We control both opacity and some axes, and we also control implant sizes. So to give you an example on the opacity side, uh, we'll go ahead and make the femur disappear. And then we can rotate this around and see the different sides of it. We can make the pelvis disappear and we could see the cup and we could check that position. And then we could come over here and look at the contact area, which we talked about earlier. So with this position that the company's designers had uh, sent back, we have about a 93% contact area of cup to bone. Up in this box right here, it demonstrates the uh, ab abduction, aniversion, leg length, and we also have a special surprise of a heat distance map that we believe is very novel in the industry. So just to give an example of the power of this, let's go ahead and move up the opacity a little bit. And let's go ahead and say that we want the cup to move out a little bit. So we'll go one click, watch the cup over here. One click, two clicks. And then also we will come back, put a little bit more opacity, and we should be able to move the leg length by adversion and abduction. So go ahead to the final heat distance map. This shows the risk at the, at the medial wall uh, preoperatively of how close you are in your planning. Obviously that is uh, breached the wall itself and we could go ahead and manipulate it as such and get rid of that. And again, you could pick your different sizes as well. So with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Mike Gilman now, our Hi, founder. Pam. We use 3D printed multiple devices to assist with implant placement. The first device makes three point contact with the native acetabulum. A five millimeter guide pin can be introduced to create a pilot hole visible to a 60-year-old surgeon's eyeball in a bloody field to assist with reaming access. A second patient-specific device models the bone to be removed during the procedure. And if you have accomplished your goal, again, you get immediate three-point contact that you've uh, reamed enough bone. A third patient-specific device 
slides up and down on the impactor handle, making contact with the implant and bone as it's in the proper position, ilium, ischium, and pubis. Once the implant's in place, if there is three-point contact, you know you've hit the target. We have excellent preclinical data. Alistair Hart, professor in London, uh, founder of the largest implant retrieval center in the world, showed a 95% accuracy within 10 degrees, planned versus achieved in very difficult subsets. Rookie sports medicine fellows with no hip replacement experience, Paprosky 3B revision hips with a lot of bone loss, and Crow 4 dysplastics with severe deformities. It's now my pleasure to introduce uh, three of our scientific advisors. First, Dr. Rand Schwarzkopf, NYU faculty. Second, by video, Dr. Derek Amanatula, Stanford faculty. And last but not least, Ed Demansky, who brought this technology to the United States in knee replacement for Materialize and grew the Smith & Nephew Visionaire product line to 30% of the market in U.S. knee replacements. Rand, thank you. So we don't have much time, so I'll just say a few words. In the past, uh, technology itself was slow to come into hip and knee replacement. We, some surgeons still mm -hmm. use the tiles on the wall and mechanical guides looking if they're parallel to the room walls and the table and the floor. But that has been changing with the generation. All of us will use high technology as uh, demonstrated now and other options in the market. Of course, it's not gonna be all just one option, but everybody's gonna use technologies like none of you are willing to get into a cab or an Uber if they're not using Waze or Google Maps. They're not gonna open a map or say, I know how to get there. So it's the same thing gonna be in surgery. And I think this is one of the vehicles that will lead into that future. Thank you, Dr. Amanatula. Hello, I'm Derek Amanatula, an assistant professor at Stanford University I'm sorry that I couldn't be there and I'm stuck in surgery. I currently use Stryker and Xactec implants to perform my hip replacements. And I've actually begun incorporating, like many surgeons, robotics into my practice. But the capital investment in a robotic platform is just not practical for a lower volume surgeon. The Eagle Eye 3D platform provides those lower volume surgeons who happen to conduct over 50% of all the hip replacements in the United States with access to improved component positioning. Because the Eagle Eye 3D system is cost effective and simple to use, I believe it will actually open up a new market. Eagle Eye 3D also allows less experienced orthopedic trauma surgeons to perform a total hip replacement instead of half a hip replacement called a hemiarthroplasty after hip fracture. This alone would be a game changer, actually raising the standard of care. Since patients who qualify for a hip replacement after a hip fracture would no longer have to get a hemiarthroplasty, simply because their surgeon doesn't have a reliable tool to plan, control, and check the position of their implants. Ed, bring it on home. All right, so gentlemen, thank you. Uh, so as Dr. Gilman said, um, I've been involved professionally with, with all facets of patient-specific technologies for over the last 12 years. Uh, I've launched or led patient-specific businesses for both Materialize and Smith and Nephew. Um, in due course, you know, I've had the privilege of working in this category with, with dozens of skilled surgeons in major hospital centers. Uh, the consistent themes that I've heard from both surgeon and hospital C-suite customers is how helpful pre-surgical planning and interoperative guides are to treating patients efficiently and accurately. Uh, Eagle, Eagle Eye 3D advantages all these industry wants with one of the most robust user interfaces that I've seen um, in the industry. 
In addition, the guides are accurate and they're simple to use. Uh, I, I truly believe that Eagle Eye system provides a distinct advantage over other options in hip arthroplasty, including robotics, um, and represents an incredible opportunity in the hip replacement space. All right, guys, we're going to turn it over to the panel right now. So uh, why don't we go to our leading arthroplasty expert, Vin, why don't you get us started and uh, give some questions to the group? Thanks, guys. Just had a couple quick questions on the hip fracture front. Um, typically, these patients will come in and we're doing surgery within 24 hours. How, how does this work in terms of getting the, the templates and the, uh, uh, the guides? Yes, that, that, the dream is, Vin, to get this uh, on-site produced. Uh, upload remotely and produce on site. Uh, you know, this is going to take a little FDA help to be able to get there, but if nothing else, the models alone with uh, the images are going to be very helpful. Got it. Okay. And it seems to me now we're adding instrumentation into the process for taking it away. It seems to be the trend with PSI in general was, you know, if you look on the knee side, we're using these to reduce the number of trays and instruments. What, what exactly we're replacing here? Uh, we're, we're actually adding more stuff, right, to the case? You're replacing the robot or you're okay, replacing the navigation system. So, so let's say you don't have a robot. But everybody's going to have some kind of technology. Uh, I think we're coming to a place, and this is, I'm really, I'm saying something that some surgeons don't like to hear, but if you have technology available in your hospital and you decided not to use it because you don't think the robot is worth it, and you, your outcome is not good, your implants are not in accurate position, and the patient has a failure, and that patient may come and say that you have failed because you had the tools and you decided not to use them. Interesting. Okay, so you think the regulatory environment is going to push this forward, as opposed to I technology? Think at one point, I think at one point, technology at, at some level will become a standard of care, a gold standard, that if you did not use technology, especially if it's available in your hospital, you have deviated from a future. It's not now, but a future standard of care. It's like your pilot, if he has an accident and he didn't use his GPS or navigation, just put his head out the window, I think he'll be uh, at fault. Yeah, I think you're probably right. What time frame do you think that's going to happen in? I within think my... uh, between five and 10 years. That's my guess. So, okay. So you're saying within five years, between five and 10 years, it will be below the standard of care to not use some type of technology during an arthroplasty? Yes. Okay, very bold statement, interesting. And then um, for those surgeons who actually have pretty decent outcomes, you know, high volume total joint surgeons or even mid volume, you know, especially into your approach, you know, let's say their dislocation rate is less than 0.5%, uh, leg length's really not much of an issue. So what problem are, are, are you solving with this? So it, it's not true uh, what you're saying for the anterior approach surgeons. Uh, because all of the data that we look and published are by high volume anterior approach surgeons and surgeons that elected to do it and kept. Now there's a new generation in the last five years and increasing surgeons coming out of training and residency and fellowship that the anterior approach is their main approach. So the minute you bring all of the surgeons, you're going to have now a, a wide variety of complications and level of accuracy because it's no longer just the best surgeon adopting a new technique that's challenging. It's all the surgeons. This is the approach they do. So you'll start seeing good surgeons, mediocre surgeons, and bad surgeons doing the anterior approach compared to five years ago that most high-volume anterior approach surgeons were, good, were the better uh, clinical uh, surgeons or better hands, let's say. And most anterior approach surgeons use technology. They use ortho grid. 
they use Radlink, uh, they use fluoroscopy. All these things are a type of technology and cost money. All right, Joe Mullings, fire away. Sure. Um, did I hear earlier that you wanted to have this technology on site on the 3D printing? Did I understand that correctly? That's the ultimate goal, but I think uh, history tells us that even without that, this is a very successful product line. Ed, perhaps you can speak to the uh, monetary efficiencies per case. But yeah, so. That, but before we jump into that, do you know the regulatory oversight that goes with 3D printing and the hazards and explosive nature of the business with the 3D printing on site? And if ASCs are going to be the high growth area, Per square foot, are you suggesting you're going to put a 3D printer inside of a size constraint ASC already? No, no. I, I, that's a long-term goal, Joe. I, I think what Dr. Amanatula was referring to is the ultimate goal. But the immediate goal is to end up where Ed was with the knee replacements, which is, you know, 30% of a market because it's surgeon-friendly and economically very favorable. Ed, perhaps you can comment? Yeah. So, so Joe, we, we grew the, the PSI technology at Smith & Nephew. Uh, you know, as the, uh, one of the one of the top four orthopedic companies, we we grew that business into one in every three knees at Smith and Nephew was being done using PSI technology. Um, I do agree that there's addition, and we actually started laying groundwork as well on the putting the printers into the hospital facility. That there's a that's a whole nother level. I agree, but you are also seeing a lot of major hospital centers now having 3D capabilities within their centers to serve not just orthopedics but other specialties within medicine. And so there's, there's opportunities there as well. But, but as Dr. Gilman said, that really is the long-term. But right now, in, in, the immediate, in the immediacy, you have the pre-surgical planning portion of this, which, which is huge. And then you can elect to then create the guides, have the guides shipped. There's a little bit, there's obviously a few day delay because we have to then create the guides and then ship them to you. But um, that, that's where we are today. But long-term, absolutely, I think you're going to see a lot more of, of this printing-type activity being done at hospitals. And you actually, in fact, you already are seeing that. Um, it's just uh, in diff slightly different areas of medicine. But the one, more, one more item, one more item. What does the Vellus acquisition by J&J mean to you? And what will the bundling do of the Vellus platform and the implant and the robot and the movement to ASCs and a very rapid growth right now? Well, I'd like to comment on that from a global cost perspective. Uh, you're gonna see more money going to the manufacturer and less money going to the surgeon and the facility. And I think that this is a sweet spot because of the cost efficiencies and the, the uh, ability for the facility and the surgeon to capture more of that nut uh, and uh, easily use technology at a fraction of the cost. All right, we're going to pop on over to Matthew Ray Scott. What do you got for us, bearded man? Yeah, I'll be brief as we uh, kind of honor our time here. Uh, my question is for Dr. Gilman. Dr. Gilman, great to see you. I know you and I have had the opportunity to help build a brand in another area. So have I earned the opportunity to ask you a contrarian question right now? Of course. Who is the second person to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean? I am stumped, Matthew Ray. Well, it's a loaded question, Dr. Gilman, because it's a principle of branding, which is your ability to show up first in the mindset of your ideal client in something that matters. 
So my follow-up question and lesson is, what's the smallest, generous subset of the market in which you can be considered first in Mindshare? I think it's to what Dr. Amanatula pointed to, which is the lower volume surgeon that doesn't have the access to the higher tech that makes up at least 50% and perhaps up to 80% of this market. I appreciate your answer, Dr. Gilman. Thank you. All right. So it's the froze time. So we all know that I've been spending a lot of time in this closet and uh, talking to a lot of great orthopedists across the country on the Ortho Show podcast. And basically, they've been telling me a lot of stuff. And they say to me, hey, Fro, you know, you know what's going on in arthroplasty? I say, what's going on in arthroplasty? They say, it's all about the robots. And then they say, well, you know, we're really doing well with like virtual reality stuff. And they say, it's all about virtual reality. And I'm saying, well, I guess I don't have to leave the closet anymore. I'm going to be able to do these arthroplasty cases right from home. But at the end of the day, here's my question. For the doctors that still like the feeling of holding cold steel in their hands, will Eagle Eye 3D offer an affordable solution to hip replacement with improved patient outcomes and theoretical reduction in complications? Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. That's a good summary. <laughs> But let's go on panel at, at this point right now. Let's give a few a few uh, words of wisdom as we exit here uh, for another great episode of Pitch Pro. Joe, what do you got? Um, I was doing my homework on the organization Eagle I3D, and I spent 15 minutes trying to find you on the internet. And a lousy brand with a great marketing strategy will build, will beat a good brand with a lousy marketing strategy. Pay some mind to your presence online. Vin. No, I, I, I like the uh, focus on the lower volume surgeon, uh, especially where technology may be a challenge. And I think that's uh, the target audience. And I think you guys uh, mentioned that. Uh, and to me, uh, that may bring some of these closet. I want to do total hip surgeons uh, out of the closet and be willing to do these cases if they have uh, this kind of assistance. Matthew Ray Scott. The way that you answered my question, you revealed that you have some focus, and I think that that's the right approach as far as brand meets distribution. As a, P, as a PSI uh, orthopedic surgeon that does total knee replacements, I can tell you it makes me a better surgeon. That message has not been spread well across the country, even within total knee. You have your work cut out for you. I think you have a great solution. Figure out a way to market this and get the message out. Thank you. I think we fulfill the quadruple aim, which is uh, improved patient outcomes, improved population outcomes, lower cost, and last but not least, uh, better quality of life for surgeons with better outcomes uh, and more time and efficiency uh, to have fun. You know, uh, this is again a pre commercialization technology, and we're a little unique here, and we're out. Uh, trying to identify the funding. So um, in the meantime, um, you know, my contact information can be made available and we would love to hear inquiries.